Good morning. Good morning. How are you? You doing good? You look good. Um, so somebody asked me, like, when is this series going to end in Exodus? And I said, never. It's never going to end. Now, I decided, I decided to do this, you know, like, uh, like on Netflix, you know, whatever you watch. I don't know. House of Cards. What do you watch? Whatever you watch. They have a new season, all right? So this is, this is season two, episode one. Season two is called The Wilderness. Everybody say The Wilderness. All right, so we, we had the plagues, we had Moses, he was born, we had all the, the, the burning bush, right? And then the plagues, and then the, the battle with Pharaoh, and then the, the Red Sea, and finally they got through the Red Sea, and I mean, I mean, no sooner, right? They, they literally got Red Sea dripping off of their face, and Moses says to them, welcome to the wilderness. Huh? And as, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? There's nothing, nothing. They look as far as they can see, and they, Moses had been telling them, I'm going to take you to a promised land. I'm going to take you to an amazing, right? And as Timon uh, said to Pumbaa, talk about your fixer-upper, right? <laughs> they look around, and there is nothing as far as that. Everybody watch The Lion King? Are we on good, are we on good ground here? As far as the eye can see, there's nothing. Now, this whole series that we're going to, this season, is going to be in the wilderness. The stuff that happens after the Red Sea, after the miracles. And so let me read a couple of scriptures just to orient you to the story. And then we'll dive in and see if it has something you know, to say for us today. But the key thing is, we've had all these miracles. We've had the, 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 the plagues, the firstborn son, God's deliverance, the parting of the Red Sea, washing away of Pharaoh, all of his armies, the chariots, they're all under the sea. And they turn to look at what's in front of them, and they see this unbelievably barren wilderness. Exodus 16, it says, after they left in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. They just got out of Egypt. They just escaped the miracles with water still on their face. The first thing that they do is they grumble. Everybody say, Grumble. You don't even sound good saying that word, do you? Just grumble. Just grumble. <clears throat> the other day, now, they grumble because they want food and water, food and water, which, of course, everybody should want food and water. The other day, uh, Charlie was in instructing me to make her dinner, and she let me know that she was hungry, and then I, it's the first time I've ever got not only instructions about what she wanted, but how soon she wanted it. So she's advancing in her skills, right? I don't want this. I want this. And, Dad, I need you to make it quickly. Otherwise, I'm going to be cranky, she said. First time I ever heard her use the word cranky. 
I need you to make it quickly, otherwise I'm going to be cranky. I didn't know if it was a threat or a promise. You know what I mean? I was trying to weigh the situation. But she let me know in no uncertain terms that I needed to make some food and I needed to make it fast. There's a reason that immediately when they come out of Egypt and God does all of these miracles, you're going to see a theme. They're prone to complaining. I think there's a message there for us. Let's just be really honest. We're prone to complaining. We just are. We're prone to finding the one thing that didn't go right, the one thing that we wish was different. We're prone to find, you know, all this was great with the meal and that, but there is this thing. And what I want to talk to you about today is how to overcome this propensity to constantly complain. Complaining has a way of souring your spirit. Literally, complaining saps you of your own strength because you can be somewhere, anywhere, and everything can be okay, and then you find something to complain about. Once you go into complaining mode, it changes your psyche. You're a different person. Now, instead of being happy, you're upset. Now, instead of being pleasant, you're unpleasant, and it starts to spread. By the way, complaining is like a, is like a cancerous to the community that you're in. I mean, in other words, you can't have a nice dinner if everybody's there and you're talking, everybody's enjoying things, and then one person's always complaining. Do you see where they put my fork? Did I want my fork over here? You get what I'm saying? And everybody's like trying to ignore this, but you can't ignore it, and all of a sudden, they, they need, complainers need company. They always need company. They just try to draw you in. I was with some people the other day, and then the complaining started, and, I, and then someone else, that, what's natural? Did you, did you see how, and the next person, they didn't have to join in, but what was in, what's the social responsibility? Join them with their complaining. Why not, why not be miserable too? I mean, literally, they're just saying that to themselves. Wow, let me be miserable. And I watched it happen, and there were six people, and I, this is what I literally did. I just turned and went outside, be by myself. I don't want to be a part of that. Does anybody hear what I'm saying? It makes you miserable when you're complaining. Now, here's the thing. Rocket science, ready? Can you, genius that you are, find something to complain about today? Oh, you're brilliant. You did it. So proud of yourself. Literally, people pride themselves on, I found something. I found some flaw. I used to send out emails a lot. I don't send many emails anymore because people find spelling errors. My God, get a life, some of you. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm terrified. Like, I don't know. You know, have you ever found this, like, spell check doesn't catch everything? And people are like, well, you should proofread it, like, 17 times. And I'm like, I really don't care that much. Let them know I'm human. But it's not professional. In other words, here's the thing. If you want to find something to complain about in your neighborhood, in your family, uh, in your job, uh, with your boss, with your employee, with your coworker, if you want to, if your intent is to find something to complain about, can you do it? Yes, you can. So that comes back to, is that what you want your life to be based on? 
Human nature is complaining at the drop of a hat, literally just stepping through the Red Sea, the most unbelievable miracle of miracles. We've just closed the chapter 15 Exodus with this song of praise to God, and soon as the song ends, the next thing out of their mouth is, why did you bring us here? Why did you bring us here? And then, just as a note, because a, a couple verses later, they go on to say, that they complained and they grumbled, and it says, the Israelites said, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. That would have been so much better. <laughs> there we sat around with pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you brought us to die in the desert. It would have been. Now, here's one thing that happens when we get into complaining mode. <clears throat> We're always exaggerating. Always. It was so much better back then. Oh, we just sat around and it was just like a big barbecue. Uh, actually, you were slaves. But in their mind, they change it to, no, it was like a big barbecue. There was just food, endless food. Because when you're in complaining mode, you're always going to find and you exaggerate. Do you, you find this to be true with people? When they're complaining, it's just like, was it really that bad? Or was it really that good before? It, it's our attempt to justify our negative thinking. We're going to justify it. By the way, they try to make it legitimate later, and they, and they say, well, we were just complaining, you know, they were complaining against Moses and Aaron. This is kind of a, a subtlety in the story that you might want to catch. Moses and Aaron take their complaints to God, right? Because Moses isn't really driving the ship. And God says to them, I'll talk to them. In other words, God says to them, you're not complaining against Moses and Aaron. You're complaining against who? Me. Now, this is important. Look up here. A lot of our complaints, at the bottom of our complaint, you know who we're complaining to? God. No, 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 no. I would, I'm not, I would never do that. I'm just saying my neighbor's an idiot. I'm just, uh, you know, I'm just saying this. This is how we, this is how we think. We think, we, we couch, the, and this is so important. What Moses and Aaron did was they uncovered it. They go, oh, no, 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 no. You're not complaining against us. You're complaining against God. Don't say I'm complaining against my boss or I'm complaining against this. Who's at the base and the bottom of all of it? And what they do is they just take the lid off of it and they say, just so you know, Let's not disguise anymore. You're grumpy against God. That's something we should think about a little bit. Because what we like to do is we, we, we feel like we can justify it because we can make this person bad or this person bad or this situation. And instead of looking deeper and saying, you know what? Maybe God brought us here for a reason. And what we're going to learn is that God brought them to the wilderness for a reason. Sometimes you're in the wilderness because you need to be in the wilderness. It's harder in the wilderness. Can't find much around you to eat. It, the terrain is different. 
This represents, for a lot of us, a season in our life. Do you remember when Jesus, before he goes to his public ministry, what does he do? He goes to the wilderness first. And just so you know, he goes to the wilderness for 40 days. And how long are these guys going to be in the wilderness? For 40 years. Wilderness prepares you for something. I think one of the the reasons is it's supposed to get the complaining out of your system. It's amazing. You know, you can get, like, do you think about, like, my grandma's going to turn 100 soon, and I think about her life. Like, we drive from, when we go to see her, we drive right past where she grew up, and she grew up in this farm, and they raised their own food, and they, you know, and then she took me to the one-room schoolhouse that she, across the street, and all the things that she's lived through, to think about like the, the homes that we get to live in with the air conditioning and just all the ridiculous, the ridiculous benefits that we have. And that somehow we can eke out a complaint. It's confounding that we're that creative. But we are. Because if we aren't careful, We'll always bend ourselves to complaining. It's an effort. But it seems like an effort we're willing to make. So, the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to make bread rain from heaven. The people are going to go out each day, and they're going to gather enough for that day. On the sixth day, they're going to prepare what they bring in, and it will be twice as much as they gather on other days. Every day, bread's going to rain from heaven. And there's going to be enough for that day. There's going to be enough for that day. Here's one of the things that will free us from complaining. Are you, do you have enough for today? In other words, what are our complaints always about? I don't know what tomorrow, I don't know what's going to happen next week. I don't know what's going to happen in this country. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's Just fire up the complaint. Get, get the engines going. Let me ask you a question. Are you okay? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll get you a coffee and a donut. <laughs> we'll get it through today. There was enough. There's going to be enough for today. Where does all of our trouble enter into our mind when we leave today? That's when, that's when we're in trouble. That's when we start complaining. There's going to be enough every single day. This is a great story. This, this is a great story. I'm going to rain it down every single day. And I'm going to test them. We're going to come back to this test. I'm just going to test them. Sometimes I say, Charlie, how how many chicken nuggets do you want? Lots of chicken nuggets. Sometimes you go... Just medium. Sometimes she'll say some outrageous number that she can never eat. Like, I want like seven chicken nuggets. She can't eat seven. You just can't shove seven into that body. But somewhere in your mind, you, you think you need more than you. Anybody, that you, your, your eyes are too big for your. Grew up in that era. Right? How about let's just have two. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, in the evening you will know it is God who brought you out of Egypt. 
because he has heard your grumbling against him. You're not grumbling to Moses. You're not grumbling about the government. You're not grumbling about this. You're grumbling to God, and that's big. And we should stop giving ourselves a pass on our grumbling. Grumbling sours your spirit, my friend. I had this truck, and man, I love that. I love that truck. I love that pickup. I, was, I love that truck. And, and I, at the time, I had a, just, this driveway that was like, you know, like six feet wide. I mean, it could barely fit anything. So I'd always end up parking it on the grass. And, and I parked it on the grass forever because it just was, you know, I had to go in and out of the garage or people would come over. And so I always just parked it on the grass. I had a habit of just parking it on the grass. And then uh, stuff started going wrong with this truck. And then someone said to me, it's like, do you, do you park this on the grass? Well, how did you know that? I said, well, it's trapping all the moisture in and just things just corroding from the inside. He's like, everything's, everything's rusting out in this thing. You're kidding me. No one told me that. Too late. You know what complaining does? Corrodes you. So innocent to you. It's like, I'll just park over here. I'll just complain. I hear everyone complains. That's what you do. And you think it's helping you in some weird way, and it's just corroding you. Just corroding you from the inside out. And this really nice looking truck, and every single thing was falling apart in it. You can put all the makeup on you want. Hmm? Get your Gucci shoes, and on the inside, you're just corroding. That's what complaining does to you. It's a whole story about complaining. God's trying to tell them, first of all, He's the ultimate source. I'm going to make it rain. It's going to come down. Now, if you grow, if you grow vegetables, or if you raise cattle, or if you do any other number of things, that you, or if God just rains it down from heaven, however it comes, it all comes from where? God. The ultimate source of everything that you have in your life comes from, that was not a trick question, and we are in church, comes from now, sadly, that was a slow response, but the reality is a lot of people don't really see that anymore. They think General Motors is their source. They think Blue Cross Blue Shield is their source. They, they have all these crazy ideas about what their source is. That's, that's insane. God's the source. You, you just got to trace it back far enough. You just aren't tracing it far enough. God is the source. Always and every single time, God is the source. God's the source. God makes it rain. And then he says, every day, make it rain. You go out and pick it up. I want to just digress a little bit about how God provides. Because some of you are sitting in your lawn chair like shaking your cup. A little to the left, God. Now you're going to have to what? You're going to have to get up. Everybody say, get up. Yeah. You get out of bed. You'll get you a J-O-B. Everybody with me? You got to pick it up. God rains it down. You what? Everybody say, pick it up. Let's go pick it up. It's not that hard. It's a job. Everybody, you got to do something with your time. 
Work, do whatever. I don't know what your job is. And I wish and pray everybody had a great job. But you know what? We've all had jobs we don't like. I got all day. All jobs we don't like. Right? I... I can tell you story after story after story about living in a funeral home as a 20-year-old, right? Not a job you want. Not a great way to pick up chicks. <laughs> You're 20. You want to come over and see the place? <laughs> you, 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 you stay up at night. Someone dies. They, they get you out of bed. You got to put a suit on. You got to go pick up a dead body. No one likes that job. You do jobs you don't like. Anybody do a job you don't like? Just go pick it up. God makes it rain. You do what? Pick it up. Go out and pick it up. So they go out and they pick it up. And then he says, just get one omer, whatever that is. It's like, you know, two liters or something. It's, evidently, it's enough for a day. You go out and you get one, one container. One container. Now, you know how humans are. And he said, at the beginning, this was a test. This was a test. Now, how are us human? Well, look, I just started doing some math, and I thought, you know, if we could just sneak another jar, I'll send the kids out. We'll go grab some extra. Moses clearly says, God said, one jar and only one jar. That's enough for what? A day. It's enough for a day. People can't listen. How many know people can't listen? Hmm? That's why I don't send emails. Nobody reads them. People, you, know, you send an email and say, well, what time's the thing start? You're like, well, it's in the email. Oh, but I wanted to call you. Fair enough. Here's the instruction. Get this. Some guy gets, he's got like a little plan. He's going to get like a, he's going to get like a mana, mana pancake station going. Right? Like he's going to get, so he gets them over here, stacks them up, gets all the kids in bed. He's just dreaming about money rolling in from his little manna station because he's got extra. Because this ain't going to work forever, you know. You get it? Whatever, what was going in his head? This ain't going to work all the time. We, we better store some away. Stores it away, goes to bed. Wake up in the morning, he's just stretching like He's going to website mana.com he's got it all going he goes to get the extra because he was smart he got extra you know Moses so old fashioned all that God talk you know what I mean so outdated goes to get it opens the cupboard they didn't have cupboards but what's it maggots climbing out of it all into his house Probably on his little baby's face. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Maggots are not pleasant. I mean, no, maggots are not pleasant. I'll do it my way, he says. God says, I'll give you enough every single day. Just, I, what, what is this story about? It's about the simplicity of life itself. Just get up, pick it up. How many know we're way too worried? We are way too worried. Why? 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 
Are we anywhere close to like hoping that the dew turns into frosted flakes? It's, it's in the Bible. It's that, that actually is in there. It's like, it looks like frosting and there's flakes. There's also a verse that says it tastes sweet like honey. What are we worried about? It's like, a, it's like a profession. It's like you go to just worry and complain and worry and complain. It's just a simple life. You just get up. God makes it rain. You pick it up. You put it. You eat it. What do you worry about for the rest of the day? Nothing. Nothing. You know, there's all kinds of scientific research that's going on. All kinds. What they're studying about other societies that have far less money than we have. And you know what study after study after study is showing? They're happier in here. Because they're not worried. Life is daily. You get up, you work, you eat, you go to sleep. I get up, I work, I eat, I go to sleep. You know what we do? We make maggots. That's what we do. That's what we do. Here. I'm going to work a few extra weekends. You'd say, don't, don't work on the Sabbath. God will give you double on this day, and you just take a day off. You just chill. Why is that? Oh, here you go, Chris, with all the old school stuff. Fine, think whatever you want to think. Six days, day off. He'll give you double on the other day to take care of this day. My dad was in the trucking business, and I knew, I knew a guy who was, he'd haul seed corn. And uh, there's certain times of the year where you just, you got to, as they say, make hay when the sun shines. And if you've if ever been around that business when you're hauling seed corn, you just, it's, it's almost 24 hours a day. They all fake their logbooks. I mean, they just do. They have to survive. That's what they do. And they, they doctor their lot because they, they're barely sleeping. They're just, but they got to make money during that time. And there's just one guy, and when Sunday came, he would just stop. He'd just stop. And, you know, all the people just look, shake their head, and go, man, that guy's a fool. you got to make money. <laughs> you know the funny thing was? He always came out on top. Go home, be with his kids, be with his family, take them to church. Everybody's running around making money, piling up maggots. Maggots are serious in this story. And they're serious in our life. It's what goes on in here. The stinking, rotting, wretchedness. I'm not doing it the right way. I'm not here to say that I know some perfect way to organize your life in modern day times, but I think there is some serious wisdom in this very ancient. You gotta relax. We had some friends that moved over to England and I hadn't seen them for a few years and they came back, part of the Orchard Grove family. And we were talking about all kinds of things. What was it like living there? And his job took him there. And he's like, oh, you know, it was one of the funniest things was like, man, on Sunday, like everything stopped. And we just thought, wow, this is a bore. Nothing to do. They just stopped everything. 
There was no this, there was no that, there was no nothing. And he said, it took us about six months, and then we prized it. We loved it. No one was trying to get ahead. No one had a hockey game to go to. No one had to do, everybody just stopped. And they said, we grew to cherish it. Now, I'm, I realize that Chris Kramer's not gonna turn back time and change what America is. But I tell you one thing, fight for your own sense of peace. Free yourself from your own maggots. Do whatever you can and need to do to get back to a daily life, a daily life. <laughs> it wasn't on accident that Jesus said in Matthew 6, give us this day our... What do you think he was talking about? Get back in the groove. Get back in the groove. It's okay. Today's enough. Today's enough. <laughs> Manna came down first time when the Israelites saw it. Verse 15, it says this. They said to each other, what is it? Do you know what the word manna means? What is it? You know what happens? A lot of times you are staring at God's provision and you can't see it. What's this? It's God's, God's provision. What is this? What's this job? What's this thing? It's God's provision. What is it? It's God just opening his hands to you. And oftentimes we don't recognize it when it's right in front of our face. This was something that they did for, ready? 40 years. That's a lot of Frosted Flakes, my friends. No matter what you've thought of your life or the difficulty, and then they say, take, take one of those jars, and this jar is going to end up in the Ark of the Covenant, which I've always thought was strange. I never, I just couldn't make sense of that, you know. They got like the tablets, right? That makes sense. It's the, the, the Ten Commandments. No, no. Put that jar in there. Take a jar, put it in there, and keep it for generations. Some things are intergenerational. This is so important. Every time they see that jar, because one day they were not going to be in the wilderness, and you got to tell things to the next generation. Anybody here having a hard time, like, passing some things on to the young ones? Like, wake up. So what they would do is they would use things like this. See this jar? Every day, that's how we, this was it. This was it. Every day, God would rain it down from heaven. They kept that for generations to teach them something. You know something that teaches kids as much as anything? When a day stops. Now, I, I will be the first to admit that probably the church may have gotten this wrong in some ways, may have gotten a little weird or extreme in some ways, and Jesus fought against that extreme Sabbath taking in his day. However... There's something there 
if we could find it. I was talking with my mom, and she started telling me about how she grew up. And she was like, on Sunday, I mean, it was, you could do nothing. Couldn't do anything. Now, she had some positives, and she had some negative uh, feelings about it, okay? I'll be honest. So I don't think, like I said, I don't think we've always done it perfectly. But I will say this. I will say this. It was marked in her head that that day was different. It was seared in her brain that day was different. I don't think we're doing that anymore. I think this experience is get it over as quick as you can. You can pastors go to seminars about how to get it done as quick as you can. Seriously. I can, go to, I can go take a seminar next week about how to get you in and out so you're happy and you got things to do. And I can get more of you next week because you'll tell your friends, he can get you in and out. Literally, there's professional pastors that teach this. Mm. Maybe we're supposed to stop. Hmm? Maybe God needs to bless us with some boredom. Charlie, Dad, I'm bored. Dad, what are you talking about? You're four. Get a life, you know what I mean? <laughs> bored. This is a test. This is, this is something to think about because God could, God could provide any way. By the way, there's water in this story and there's quail. There's all kinds. We don't have time. God can provide any way he wants to. We just wanted to do it this way because he wanted to test them. We try to take more than you should. Of course they did, right? We rest on one day. Then, of course, on the seventh day, what happened? People went out. There was nothing. It was just a test. The other day, Charlie wanted to get a uh, mermaid tail. We're at a restaurant. She saw a mermaid tail. Daddy, I want one of these. I'm so bored. I have nothing. I have nothing. You know, blah, blah, blah. I said, I'll tell you what. You can get that if you have money. Because if I take it over to that lady, she's going to ask me for money. Do you know how you get money? We had this whole conversation with a four-year-old. It was wonderful. Do you know how you get money? That comes out of your pocket. <laughs> oh, yeah. You get a job. So, truth, truth, truth. So I said, do you want that? She's like, yeah. I said, okay. I'm going to give you a job. I know. Don't, please don't report me for <laughs> all kinds of things that you... So the other day, I gave her this little plastic bag, and there's all this stuff in the yard to pick up, and I said... Go there and start cleaning this up. You know, she's like, it's heavy. That's not heavy. Just put it in there, put it in there, put it in there. Comes back and she gets one dollar. Go put this in your jar. Use a dollar. You need ten of these. Ten of these. Right? No, it was. I think it was eighteen or whatever. Right? How many? But I get. This is. What is this about? This is gonna teach you something. God can provide for you anyway. Anyway. Is God struggling? God's not struggling. You're struggling. 
You're struggling to understand he's God. The whole point of the whole story is like, I'm going to show him I'm the God that took him out of there. The whole point of life is you got to figure out that God can take care of you. That's it. That's the whole point. He can do it. He can make it rain from heaven. By the way, after they get into the promised land, stops. The manna stops. That's it. God's going to provide a different way. God can provide any way. He's just trying to teach you to trust him. To trust him, you got to do it his way. You got to stop bringing the maggots in the house. What do maggots look like today? Arguments, yelling, screaming, visa bills. Sounds pretty maggoty to me. Get the maggots out. You got enough. I got enough. You can ask Vicky, the pride of my life is when we drive up to McDonald's and I get in and out under $6 for the three of us. <laughs> 6.35, I mean, like I'm having a hard, what, 6.35? It's enough. You eat a cheeseburger real slow, you're good. Huh? What's problem number one? We don't eat them slow. That's enough for a day. Here's, an, here's an, one Omer. That's enough. I got to quit this. It's over. Let's stand. We'll have a closing prayer. Let me, let me read you a scripture. Stand. John 6. Let me just read you, just, you can listen. Jesus says to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus, too, came from heaven. They said, sir, from now on, give us this bread. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. Come to Christ. These two things will change you forever. Come to Christ and say his prayer. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. That's just not a prayer you're just supposed to just rip through just so your sins can be forgiven. That's a prayer you're supposed to repeat over and over and over again as a reminder to yourself, as a stay to complaining. Give us this day our daily bread. Why? Because when you pray that prayer, what you know in your head is, I got enough bread for today. I got enough. Thank you, God, for my daily bread. First, come to Christ. He's the bread of heaven. You'll never thirst again. Certainly this can't be physical thirst or physical hunger. This has got to be the deep longing of the human soul. Come to Christ. Lord, we pause today, first and foremost, to come to you. The true bread from heaven.
who gives life, who satisfies our deepest hunger. God, today we pray that you will free us from complaining, from crowding our lives and crowding our schedules. Free us from the maggots of modern day life. God, free us from the maggots of greed, overindulgence. God, give us the grace of a simplicity of daily bread. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Happy Sunday, Orchard Grove.